Hey moms, welcome to the audio version of A Call for Moms to Trust the Lord and Not Fear. This content is being made available in a free ebook version that you will be able to access after January 25th by simply subscribing to DorendaWilson.com. A Call to Trust the Lord and Not Fear. There's been so much going on in the world around us over the last 10 months and especially the last two months. It's been overwhelming for many of us, and I have spent hours and hours seeking the Lord and asking Him to give me a sustainable posture. In other words, a solid place where I can plant my feet and stay at peace. In that process, God has revealed places in my heart where I've built my house on rock and places where I've built it on sand. My guess is that you can relate to this as well. In the meantime, We're still trying to be the wives and moms that God has called us to be. This creates an inner conflict because we have constantly been fed the lie that we have to be perfect moms and have everything together, or at least mostly together, or we will mess up our kids. Our desire to be good moms, more importantly, godly moms, is from the Lord, But the enemy twists that and uses it against us as he tries to make us believe that we have to have everything figured out. I think I can safely say that at this point, we have far more questions than answers. The reality is that motherhood is a call to trust the Lord and not to fear. And in the midst of our increasingly uncertain world, It is imperative that we faithfully press into that calling with all of our being. God has repeatedly been bringing me back to a passage in Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 through 22. I'll read through the passage first and then go back and expound on a few verses at a time. This is an incredibly timely message. We'll start with verse 11. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, he will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many will stumble and fall, never to rise again. They will be snared and captured. Preserve the teaching of God. Entrust his instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord, who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. I and the children the Lord has given me serve as signs and warnings to Israel from the Lord of heaven's armies, who dwells in his temple on Mount Zion. Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. 
and because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at the earth, but wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Okay, let's read back through this passage and break it down. Please stick with me. This is so good. Verses 11 and 12 say, The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. These verses reveal that the real issue here was fear of the Lord versus fear of people or fear of man. When we fear man, the Lord becomes a trap that leads to destruction. This could be physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. In other words, God's law is always active. There are no excuses. There are no exceptions. We reap what we sow. But for those who fear the Lord, He becomes a sanctuary, a place of refuge and safety. Margaret Clarkson in her book, Grace Grows Best in Winter, says this, When God is our only fear, we will find that He will be a sanctuary to us to shelter and protect us, to hallow the very pain that drives us to Him for refuge. Hallow means to make holy or set apart for holy use. So God will hallow or set apart or make for holy use the very pain that drives us to Him for refuge. He takes what Satan means for evil and redeems it and uses it for good, specifically the good of our souls. As believers, we are not called to live in fear. This doesn't mean that we won't feel fearful. It means that God does not want us to be driven or motivated by fear because this will inevitably lead to sin. Think about the Israelites and how often their fears led to idol worship and blending in with the ungodly cultures around them. God tells us in 1 Timothy 1, 7 that He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. I was thinking about this verse the other day, and God seemed to point out a very interesting connection I had never noticed before. It was the connection between not having a spirit of fear and practicing self-discipline. In other words, self-discipline is one of the things that God uses to keep us from a spirit of fear. I'm going to say that again. Self-discipline is one of the things that God uses to keep us from a spirit of fear. There is so much information available to us to listen to and read And it often distracts us from the truths of God's Word. We begin to listen to lies that are so subtle that we don't even realize what's happening. That's why it's imperative that we are continually taking our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. We need to marinate in God's Word. We can do that by reading and listening to the Bible, praying Scripture, writing down key verses and leaving them in strategic places throughout our homes. We can listen to praise and worship throughout the day. And I'm not talking about Jesus is my boyfriend type music. I'm talking about worship that exalts God and continues to help our hearts align with Him and His Word. I'm including a playlist at the end 
of this ebook. We practice self-discipline so we are not thinking like everyone else does and we are not living in dread of what frightens them. I see way too many Christians oozing with fear. They don't look or sound any different than the world. This should not be. Again, we can feel fear, but our response is what is key. Christians should be the most hopeful and joyful people on the planet. If we're not, how are we different from the culture? What do we have to offer them? What message are we sending? Do we believe the gospel is true? Is our hope in Him? Or have we cozied up to the world and become friends with those in who, who in reality oppose God? James 4.4 4 says that if we are friends with the world, we are enemies of God. I'll be talking about the importance of seeing ourselves as separate from the world in an upcoming podcast. Verse 12 of our passage in Isaiah 9 talks about not calling everything a conspiracy like they do. Isaiah's message was calling God's people not to be involved with or in agreement with Assyria, which represents the world or culture. In other words, Isaiah was calling God's people to resist embracing the culture's ideals. In response to this, his message was being labeled by the culture as a conspiracy. Does this sound familiar? Biblically sound Christian principles are openly despised in our culture, and this is happening more and more intensely all the time. This passage is a call to resist the temptation to embrace the culture's ideals and fully trust in the Lord. Verse 13 says, Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. He will keep you safe. When we make the Lord holy, it means giving him first place in our lives and, and acknowledging that nothing is greater than he is. He calls us to live in the fear of God, which means reverencing him as God. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. God's people are not to fear the culture or the enemies of God. So when fear becomes overwhelming to our emotions and our thoughts, we resist by acknowledging that God is in charge, that He is sovereign over everything, that He is powerful, and that He is good. We do this again and again and again. Verse 14 says, He will keep you safe. But to Israel and Judah, He will be a stone that makes people stumble, a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, He will be a trap and a snare. When this passage talks about keeping us safe, it literally means that He will be a sanctuary, a place of refuge. Imagine running for your life adrenaline coursing through your body as you're being chased by an enemy. But then you find a place to hide where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you will be completely and utterly safe. That's what he is for us. However, 
by trusting in the culture or the world rather than God, we will find ourselves in a trap and a snare as that same culture turns on us. This is because the only power this world has over us is the power we give it through our love of the things of this world. So we continue to trust in the Lord because He is faithful and strong and His love for us never wavers. Verse 16 says, Preserve the teaching of God. Entrust His instructions to those who follow me. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in Him. Clearly, the directive to preserve Isaiah's teaching tells us that it was being harshly received by the culture around him, and there were those who wanted to snuff it out. The same holds true for us. We have got to remain faithful to biblical principles by knowing his word so that we can defend it and recognize it when when teachings and ideas are not of him. There are many, many false teachers out there. I encourage you to find those who are faithfully handling God's word with clarity and precision. And just a side note, if you are currently being clobbered over the head with Romans 13, please listen to the podcast I did a few weeks ago with Pastor Wes. Let's take another look at verse 17. I will wait for the Lord who has turned away from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my hope in him. Waiting for the Lord requires yielding, prayer, hope, and faith, but the results are a quiet spirit and a renewed inner strength. We can have peace through our circumstances, but we must be self-disciplined, slowing our hearts and minds to align with His truths takes discipline, and it requires trust in our good, good God. But by His grace and strength, we can do it. Again, these ideals are the polar opposite of what the culture and the enemy pressure us to do. We must discipline ourselves to do it anyway. Verse 18 says, I and the children the Lord has given me serve as signs and warnings to Israel from the Lord of heaven's armies who dwells in his temples in Mount Zion. Let me stop here for just a minute because this is powerful for us as moms. As we invest in our children and we raise a godly generation who love the Lord and stand firmly on His principles, we become as signs and warnings to the culture and even to the people of God. Our godly, not to be confused with perfect, families display the nature of God and reveal His ways. There are very few current real-life examples that show how God pours out blessings on families that love and serve Him. So our family lives serve as an incredible light to the world. We are reflecting the heart of God to a watching world. This is what He intended This is why motherhood is so essential and why it is absolutely imperative that we stay focused on Him and on raising the next generation. Children are our greatest investment. They are the future and the enemy knows it. That is why he always goes after the next generation. 
A while back, I did a podcast called The Cultural Attack on Children and Why We Must Protect Them. I talked about how history repeats itself and how over and over again, kings and leaders have used similar tactics to maintain and advance their powerful kingdoms. And one of these greatest tactics was this. They went after the children of God's people because they knew if they went after their children, they were also stealing their future. God calls us to protect the children. Psalm 81.4 says, Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And Matthew 18.10 says not to despise these little ones. And in Lamentations, God's people were instructed to arise and cry out in the night at the beginning of the night watches. Pour out your heart like water before the presence of the Lord. Lift your hands to Him for the lives of your children who faint for hunger at the head of every street. It is imperative that we do not ignore what God is calling us to when it comes to raising our children. Be bold. Be courageous. Be warriors. Because we aren't just fighting for our children. We are fighting for our grandchildren and generations to come. I want to stop here for just a minute because I keep hearing people say that the Lord is coming back soon. Maybe He is, but maybe He isn't. Taking the position that we just have to hold on till we're airlifted out of here is not what God has for us. We need to be living as though He's coming back tomorrow but also as though he's not. We must faithfully invest the truths of God's word into the next generation as we live out the comprehensive lordship of Christ. We speak truth. We live truth in every single area of our lives, in front of and with our children. Moving on to verse 19, it says, Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his word are completely in the dark. They will go from one place to another, weary and hungry. And because they are hungry, they will rage and curse their king and their God. They will look up to heaven and down at earth. But wherever they look, there will be trouble and anguish and dark despair. They will be thrown out into the darkness. Again, there are many voices out there and we must be discerning as to whom we listen to. The source of our guidance should always be God's word. It holds authority over everyone and everything. The world, the government, our nation, our states, our governors, our local government, law enforcement, church, our families, everything and everyone. Notice how this passage goes on to talk about the destruction of those who contradict his word. They end up raging and cursing against God and authority, blaming them for their condition when the reality is they are suffering the consequences of railing against God and his word. But Jesus, but the redeeming work of the cross Even beyond destruction, there is hope because Jesus causes darkness to give way to light. His rule is marked by the vindication of the oppressed and ultimately the end of all oppression. 
He is able to save those who put their trust in him. This is the good news, the gospel. We are not only recipients of that, we have the privilege of sharing it with others, bringing hope to a lost and hurting world by sharing Jesus. He is the Alpha and Omega, the advocate, the author and perfecter of our faith. He holds all authority. He is the good shepherd, the great high priest. And so we are called to put all of our hope, our faith, our trust in him alone. Moms, the temptation to fear isn't just going to go away. We have to stop trying to make fear go away in our own strength and instead humbly bring it to Him. Margaret Clarkson said, Only a daily, hourly, even momentary placing of our extremity in His strong hands can protect us from the crippling ravages of fear. We must take the truths of Scripture one by one as needed and lay them on our hearts and speak them with our mouths repeatedly in the presence of the enemy, even if we don't feel their strengthening power in the moment. Contrary to what the culture tells us, Our feelings have nothing to do with the matter. The truth of God's promises are not based on our feelings, but on His faithfulness, even if He doesn't deliver us from our fears. Again, Margaret Clarkson says, Love and suffer in the present moment, thinking more about God and His strength than of yourself and your weakness. Remember your calling as moms. It is a worthy one. It is a high calling. It is an honored calling. We are raising the next generation, and that is an incredibly powerful thing. So in light of our little ones who are here and those who are yet to come, let's ask ourselves these questions. What kind of a foundation are we going to provide them so that they can stand firm and stand fast in the midst of a flood of rebellion against God? Will we instruct them so they can understand that there can be no true peace, happiness, or fulfillment in what the world has to offer? Will they come to understand that though the majority may scream loudly that this and that are true, that is not what makes it true? Will we teach them to stand firm in the light of the glory of the empty tomb of Jesus who has authority over everything and everyone? Can we communicate to them and help them to understand the riches to be found in the Christian faith and how empty, shallow, and meaningless the wisdom of the world truly is? Will we set the example, giving up the things of this world, even being mistreated for the sake of of righteousness and truth? By the grace of God, we will. We will answer that call to trust the Lord with everything that is in our being.